Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Seaspire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 359, and today we'll be talking about Ralphie Bear is Back from Glitch Tex. I'm GC13. And I'm David. You know, the cartoons these days don't really like to go all twisty and turny. Like, they were so obvious that Miko was going to be the birthday ruiner, you would figure that the twist has to be that she wasn't. But she was. They were not going for surprises here, and I think that's the point, because you're supposed to feel the tension that Mika's feeling as it progressively becomes more obvious that she'll need to tell Five about her dark past. So I I think that's the point, if there had been another twist, if perhaps someone else had been the real birthday ruiner, you know, then... That would be a great video. Somebody should make yeah, that. Yeah, someone should make a video about that. Hmm, obvious plug for our YouTube channel. I, uh, I think we might discuss alternate theories later in this discussion, but let's go with what the episode shows us for now. But yeah, this is a freaking strange episode, because it's a Five Nights at Freddy's episode. This time, the, the references stay mostly on, uh, really, that one game, and you kind of get it from... I started feeling that vibe. I mean, obviously, it's a bear, so that's just going to be, you know, very similar to, to Five Nights at Freddy's, but... But then they have the security camera jump scares, so... Right. I mean, they had the schematics up and the, like, wireframe. I was thinking, oh, yeah, of course it's Five Nights at Freddy's. And then I love that camera scene where it's like, oh, you can hack into all the security cameras? Yeah, of course. And it's just like... <laughs> it's It's just so wonderfully silly how explicitly you know it's almost like they're even on an ipad which is i think how i saw every kid playing five nights at freddy's uh but it was a wonderful little reference i was always too scared to play the five nights at freddy's games what what about you um i actually don't think i've ever played it either too scary yeah i mean good grief i mean i tried playing alien isolation way too intense for me I don't know what the, I think I've played some of the, um, what, what, I don't remember what it's called in English, but like the spirit, ca- spirit camera games, the camera obscura. What, what's that series called? Fatal Frame. Played some Fatal yes, Frame yes, games. Yes, I remember. Which I feel like it's so silly that you're holding a camera and taking pictures that I can sort of be distant from the scariness. But Five Nights at Freddy's, I also always thought of as a kid's game. Which I don't know if that was ever true, just because it seemed like overtaken by kids' culture at some point. Which makes it very appropriate to be included in this episode. But Yeah. I mean, any noteworthy video game is a worthy inclusion, and I don't think anyone can deny that Five Nights at Freddy is noteworthy as all get out. Which, yeah, I love that it made it this far. Like, it is cemented in pop culture. And it's just such a weird game, (laughs) as seen by the gameplay here, where you're just looking at security camera footage and hoping that a monster doesn't pop up, except you actually do kind of hope that you get the jump scare. That's kind of the point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's better than anticipating the jump scare, which is the terrifying part. There were only a few moments in the episode where I thought they meaningfully pushed the, like, visual scariness. For the most part, they were incredibly restrained. Whereas I think of some of the like modern Disney Channel lineup, Gravity Falls, and now the Owl House, they kind of visually push for a little more of the scare to be purposefully, you know, juxtaposed with the cuteness. And I think the art style, for the most part, like the character design, stayed mostly 
palatable except for maybe at the end <laughs> when we got the horrifying um coyote or what the hell was that thing uh there was the duck and i like oh our emitters can only make these things look even more grotesque <laughs> yeah and then also when uh the horrible the defeat of von whoever <laughs> kiki von smasher von smasher you know, her half of her body and corpse and head are on the giant spinning wheel. That that was a little bit more grotesque. Ugh, I mean, Ralphie Bohr himself was pretty bad. Don't lie. <laughs> I mean, I do like the big soulless eyes. I, I don't know in what world Jimmy can be like, oh yeah, this isn't gonna scare people. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way he talked about it. You know, oh yeah, that was scaring all the kids. But, you know, after 10 years of my life, I have now produced something actually worse. Much worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, positively terrifying. I mean, it's great. I I'm surprised that <laughs> Phil only had 520 tickets in there. It looked like a lot more than that. I think it's great that he has a thing to geek out about. We have seen very little of him acting anything other as, you know, just a tired boss, which is also how he gets his little phone intro. It's like, now calling your boss. <laughs> a great, great little thing to get before we see him giddily, you know, racing over to the arcade to redeem his tickets on a stuffed animal. Like, I don't even know. Nah, what he was yeah, probably get. a stuffed animal. Yeah, you already talked about juxtaposition. There's a juxtaposition for you. Yeah, I don't know what kind of world they're living in, though, because the ticket prices in my world, 500 tickets gets you, you know, maybe you get the a few Tootsie Rolls and the Vampire Fangs, and maybe a Chinese uh, finger torture. Like, that's that's what you get at the <laughs> arcade for 500 tickets, you know? I mean, I thought it was made pretty clear from the technology that glitch techs get to play with that glitch text takes place in the greatest timeline. So the <laughs> ticket prices probably aren't nearly as inflated as they are in our world. Right. They've made it so much farther in 2021. Although greatest timeline, again, Hanobi, uh, there's a price for the technology. There's always a price. I mean, maybe if there were cat girls working in the glitch text, it would be even greater, but... <laughs> oh. Then you would just have louder voices calling for the show's cancellation. <laughs> but I don't think we need that drama here. We can only get so many things that we want. Fan artists, I challenge you. <laughs> Completely changing topics. There was mainly just Five Nights at Freddy references, but a uh, very tiny undercurrent of Scooby-Doo going on here. Because Mika was channeling her inner jinkies. Velma. Yeah, jinkies, but also, well, I guess, no, it was not a Scooby-Doo reference, but an Adams Family reference. Mika, as they run down into the basement, goes, things have just gone from creepy and kooky to mysterious and spooky. <laughs> Beautiful line. <laughs> oh, I missed that one. I did, I did. Uh, no, that was, that was hilarious. We, we should have had a, would you do it for a Scooby snack Ooh. bit, but... You can only pack so much in. That's such a good point. You can only pack so much in, and this episode had a lot. I mean, you'll you'll get a little bit more Miko backstory in a few episodes' time, 
But like, this is the setup for that backstory. This explains why her backstory is what it is. Or at least it, it partially explains. They, it's a symbiotic relationship. Right. Kind of a few episodes back, we had Nico, you know, being sh- embarrassed about struggling with the idea of whether or not she's normal. And here we see her sensitivity on being excluded from regular social groups, you know, having ruined a birthday. Now, it was set up in a funny way because I was thinking after the second, you know, judo kick to the head that, you know, this is a great little theme. But of course, tragically, it connects with the fact that that's how Nico blew Phil's head off. Or not Phil. <laughs> oh, I never know if that could happen. Uh, Ralphie's head off <laughs> uh, in her past. I'm surprised she didn't just do it to Keiki. Like, I I thought for sure that was how she was going to win the day. But no, she just had to put on the bear costume. And apparently she's got moves and some serious upper body strength to hold on to that ledge for any length of time while Keiki's holding on to her. You bring up such a good point. This is just like Timmy Turner wishing he could chase somebody on jet skis instead of saying, hey, I wish that that person was captured. It's like Miko has demonstrated that she can just one kick break these things in half. But no, we were running, and then we have a showdown in a sort of fursuit. Which, how is she able to deal with that so well? It's crazy. Her combat skills are truly unrivaled, as I've previously gushed about. It's crazy enough how much physical skill these kids have. But so adaptable. Has she fought in costume before? And this isn't even a costume meant for human wearing. It's I'm assuming heavy from the animatronics, or perhaps maybe the exoskeleton is light because of the motors needing to, you know, not have a heavy weight. I'm not sure, but the mechanics of it are a little intense. I mean, we could hypothesize a a way for that suit to be designed that it makes sense for her to be wearing it, but you were talking about Five Nights at Freddy's references, and we did not point out that in Five Nights at Freddy's, the animatronics are trying to stuff you into an animatronic suit. That's a good point, isn't it? I mean, I hope it's not spoilers for anyone. I think, aren't they like dead kids' souls or something, and they're just trying to get bodies? Is that? Oh, good grief. <laughs> I tried reading about it one time, and it made absolutely no sense, and I just decided that the deep lore of Five Nights at Freddy's was not for me. <laughs> it's something horrible Maybe like that. in an alternate, lesser timeline, I could have subscribed to PewDiePie for long enough to find <laughs> out. Yeah, that was definitely the route I took of Five Nights at Freddy's, where didn't play the game, but heard that the story was interesting and spent some amount of time on a wiki reading about it. <laughs> it's great that that's uh, a path for potentially many of people out there. Oh, I'm sure we're not the only ones who have walked that path. <laughs> for many more things as well. Ha, I won't get involved in this piece of media. I'm just going to waste hours reading about it instead. I think I knew everything about Undertale before I ever played Undertale. Like, I had read everything (laughs) about every path and, you know, the secret lab. Oh, good grief. I would have enjoyed Undertale so much more if I had read about it before trying to play it. As it was, I tried to play it completely unspoiled. Like, everyone insisted and was like, no, no, I'm not liking this. This story is very uncomfortable. (laughs) And no. I think you miss a lot, too. If I had just known everything about it, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah, honestly, I mean, I guess... Going in naked, you know, you get the experience of, you know, making decisions or whatever. But I think I would have been a nice guy and gone the pacifist route anyway, even if I hadn't known. But I don't know. There's something about knowing so that I could keep playing. Like, I don't know if I would have made all the decisions 
to keep going if I uh, you know didn't know. But anyway, so animatronics. I am interested. You know, we talk about our experiences with the games, but this time we're also confronted with a horrifying childhood experience many of us have. I recalled my horrifying local kids pizza and entertainment joint that was not a national chain, but something made up just by the locals. What? And it was truly horrifying. Like, I remember having a, like, there were multiple animals. There was a bird roughly like the horrifying girl board in Five Nights at Freddy's. But we also had an organ where all of the pipes had eyes on it. I mean, just imagine that. Okay. <laughs> so, it's pretty terrifying. Uh, did you have any uh, experiences with animatronics as a kid? Uh, no, not really. I don't think I ever actually saw... Or maybe it was just one time I saw the Chuck E. Cheese animatronics actually moving. I I knew they were there, but I had never been at any of the birthdays that involved that. So, yeah, I guess I I was spared that horror in my childhood. That's very good. Now, I don't remember having nightmares about it, but I also don't remember any kid being excited for it the way that Five was. Oh, no, no. I I was wondering about that. It's like, this birthday show has only been going on for five years. How is it such a thing to these kids? Now, I I realize that they're probably in the six to eight-year-old range, so they're probably getting commercials with it for basically all the time they can remember. So I I guess culture moves quickly at that age. Right, it's been there for your whole life. I don't know. And it's mythical. You know, two years ago, when you heard about some older kid getting their birthday there, you know, that's that's a mythical thing waiting around. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I, I just... Every time I watch this episode, I, I sit here and I think, man, I really hope Five got a refund for that, that yeah, what the reservation heck? he made. But at the same time, I also have to remind myself, GC, this is this is just a cartoon. They just included that detail because of reasons. It doesn't change his life, whether they got the <laughs> refund or not. It's okay. You can continue watching the episode without thinking about it. Yes. Well, no, but so they spend a long time focusing on it because mainly you need to feel that Five was really invested in, you know, making this happen, right? Oh, in more ways than one. Uh Uh-huh. But then he says he only has a quarter to play at the one crappy arcade machine in the place he subsequently that, goes to that is what worries and so that's me. a detail that you can't help but think but wait what happened to his cash pile like at minimum he should have just been like i had all this money but the arcade machine was broken or something you know yep. but instead no somehow all the money was gone maybe he didn't get the refund until after the show i can i can still at least give myself that hope i guess <laughs> Poor five, poor five. In more ways than one. <laughs> That's right. Poor, poor five. I, 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 I can't believe that Miko didn't know Hector's real name until this episode. Yeah, you'd think it would have come up, but even his grandparents call him five, so who's gonna call him Hector? Yeah, it's just fun that they finally threw that in, you know, I guess. I'd like to think that even his checking account is in the name of five, so even if she were to sneak a peek at one of his checks, it would say, to five. I mean, that would make sense at Hinobi, though, that you go by your tag. But, I mean, her ta- her gamer tag is Mikao, which you could easily read like Miko, so you, you would never know. Wait, I need to remember. Do they actually get paid in dollars, or do they only get, like, the perks? Uh, the, the perks are extra. They, they do get paid. Uh, remember, Five was talking about how long it would take him to earn the pair of limited edition yeah. sneakers. So they do get paid actual dollars. 
They're not getting paid company script at the company store. This is a complete diversion, but since we were talking about <laughs> money, what do you think a job like this should pay? I mean, I'm thinking like base pay $20 an hour. This is a serious little thing they got going on here. And it is a high skill job uh, even, but it is for teenagers. I think that just to keep up appearances, they can't really pay them more than, you know, $10 an hour or so. What? It depends on the cost of living in the individual neighborhood. Oof. Because remember, for one, as far as anyone else knows, they're just working down at the local GameStop. And then two, it's a pretty awesome job, and you're gonna want to take the job basically no matter what it pays, so... I mean, I guess the perks help for their total compensation number, but... I mean, between 10 and 15, I guess... I don't know, hopefully maybe closer to 15? Like, these guys need a serious wage. I mean, their lives are in danger. Do they have a good health insurance, like, life insurance plan? Do kids die out here, and then they have to just constantly zap the parent? Oh, that's a horrifying episode. Every day, the sibling of a Hanobi victim, you know, goes and mind wipes their parents. I mean, this is thinking of horrible, horrible fan stories now. But I did promise everybody that I had an alternate theory about who actually deserves the title of the birthday ruiner. Now, as we alluded to, I did make a YouTube video about this very theory, but just in case you haven't seen it, I think that even if Miko was the last kid to decapitate Ralphie, it was actually Phil who was the last person. Phil freaking out and decapitating Ralphie was the last straw that resulted in the cancellation of the Ralphie Bear birthday show. Which could explain why he didn't redeem his tickets the last time he was there. Yep. Filled with shame. Stayed away from his beloved arcade for ten years. That's why he has old, unredeemed tickets, even though he still loves the place. I want to believe that he also, that's when his personality completely changed and he became so downcast. And I, I mean, I, I don't know how else to explain the fact that it looks like Safety Inspector number 7, or I guess she would have been Barbara back then, looked like she was in that quote-unquote security photo. It looks an awful lot like it was taken mm. from a glitch tech gauntlet, actually. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. It's very suspicious. Compelling theory. Yeah, but so I hadn't watched glitch techs for the longest time when I saw that thumbnail for Is Phil the Birthday Ruiner? I just thought Phil was the bear. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad that we've made it this far. And now I finally, I still messed up the this episode hilariously um but you know i do know that there's a difference and it's great anyway guys that's been us on ralphie bear is back join us next week until then i'm gc13 and i'm david don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts later everybody our opening and closing music is by mark soto for more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.